welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Touchdown Bombers! Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today's guest is the play-by-play voice of the CFL on TSN as well, the host of the Nielsen Show on TSN 1260 in Edmonton, Alberta. Dustin Nielsen, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on, man. I'm super excited to talk ball with you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate the invite. Sorry it took so long to set it up, but uh, you got me on some downtime here, so uh, happy to chat with you. I see right away in the background, you got the Flutie Flakes going on. You got Detroit Lions. You also got uh, a Colts helmet. You're a Lions fan. You also like Doug Flutie. That's There's just so much to unpack there because those two people have conflicting legacies with the Lions yeah. being literally the worst <laughs> team to cheer for in NFL history in terms of like the longevity since the Super Bowl era and Flutie being like the best, one of the best players in CFL history. What made you a big Flutie fan? Uh, I mean, just uh, growing up as a, as a kid, you know, following the Canadian football league, um, you know, with a couple of stops along the way, you know, he played in some big games back when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of football in, uh, in Cranmer, British Columbia. So um, most of the football that we watched would have just been CFL playoffs and, and, and the great cup and Doug Flutie happened to pop up quite often there. Obviously a style of play was, was very entertaining. Um, so yeah, I always kind of just stuck with him and then he went to the NFL and I always just, I was just kind of thought that he deserved better down there. Like I always thought they should have just given him more of a chance because they never got an opportunity. He did good. So I always felt, you know, up here in the Canadian football league, a legend, one of the best to ever do it. And down there, it was always the underdog. So I appreciated that uh, as well. And um, you know what? He did break my heart one time though. A uh, quick side story. When I was in grade six, I, um, we went to, uh, to Calgary and we were staying at the university of Calgary on like a, a trip for school. And uh, the Calgary Stampeders were at uh, training camp at the UFC at the same time. And they were staying like a floor above us. And we bumped into a few of them and they invited us up to watch the 93 Stanley Cup final between the Kings and Habs, which was awesome. Like I'm a huge hockey fan and we're sitting there watching it with the Calgary Stampeders and Doug Flutie walks into like the floor where all the rooms are. And I, I saw where I was just like, Oh my God, that's so Flutie. And I went running over to try to meet him, but he got over to like the hallway down to his room and closed the door before I could get there. And I was like, no, like my one chance to meet Doug Flutie, but didn't change my opinion on him. I mean, I, I still, I liked, I liked watching, but he did, he did break my heart. As a, as a 12 year old child i was i was very excited it's gonna probably bob you know pester him for an autograph that he he snuck away which wouldn't shouldn't surprise me because he's he was elusive his entire career if you can't get away from a 12 year old me then who's he gonna get away from right so but yeah i've always i've always kind of been a fan that box of flutie flakes behind me actually still has the flakes in it it's never been open so uh they're probably pretty disgusting right now but uh uh yeah it's got some value to it i guess well, I was going to say some of those products, you even see people leave a bottle of Coca-Cola from the 60s, 70s, and some people have been collectors since the dawn of the company's existence. And it seems like the products don't age as much as you'd think they would, especially when they're not open. So I can only imagine what the Flutie Flakes would taste like now if it's just loaded with sugar. Oof. It might not be as bad as you'd think, but I can still imagine it being for sale. <laughs> it'd be pretty, uh, it'd be pretty concerning if it was just like brand new still. Like what's going on with that food if it's still good 25 years later? And then yeah, and then on the Detroit Lions thing, I just got sucked in by Barry Sanders when I was a kid. He was on Tecmo Super Bowl, which was like the first football game I played. He was an absolute stud. Uh, little did I know the next 30 years of my life would suck being a Detroit Lions fan. Barry Sanders left too early. We had Megatron. 
he didn't stick around long enough and he was an absolute monster as well. And I'm happy actually that they set Matthew Stafford free to go see if he can have success somewhere else. And, and he is so far. So that's actually, uh, that's nice to see as the lions uh, work on another uh, imperfect season. Were you at least a fan during the 94 season? I think it was 94, 91 when they got their, their one playoff win in a Super Bowl era. Did you, at I, least- wasn't. Oh. I, I, I wasn't, I had just, I had, I, <sighs> I had just got on board with Barry Sanders in the video game at the time. So uh, I, and like I said, we just didn't, I I grew up on a farm. Like we didn't get a lot of channels to watch a lot of football back when I was a kid. Not like nowadays, like my boy, he's six. He can go on to zone and pick whichever game he wants to watch, which is insane. So we didn't really have that luxury back then. So unfortunately, um, no, I do not remember myself celebrating the playoff win, which is so sad to say, but it's the truth. And it was against the Cowboys of all teams. And that's the thing that makes it so crazy is that the Cowboys were three-time Super Bowl champions in the 90s. And the one playoff win the Lions <laughs> have in the Super Bowl era was against the Troy Aikman Cowboys. That's just... They wasted it. They wasted the one win, right? Like they haven't been able to get one since, but it was a good one, but they haven't been able to get one since, which is a little frustrating when you go through your 20s. Like I've went gone through my entire teens and 20s and 30s and i haven't watched my team have any success which people i mean people on my radio show people who listen have texted in it's dusty nobody's gonna blame you if you bail and go cheer for the rams with matthew stafford and i almost did but then i thought you know what if the lions ever do have success and i'm gonna be the guy that left that it's gonna i'm i'm, I'm gonna hate myself so i'm gonna continue to ride this thing out you're gonna look like that crazy ex running back and saying, "Wait, no! Like, yeah. I, I, I forgot to tell you how I was feeling. Didn't you know exactly. that I loved you this entire time? I still love you. I still love you. I didn't mean to cheat on you with the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford. Please take me back. It might not be a while before I go running back, but at some point, I would hope that I would. Yeah, I mean, people say the same things to me with the Jaguars. I'm like, well, but when they have success, it's like the most satisfying thing in the entire world. Because if you're a fan of a team like the Patriots or the Steelers or the Packers. Yeah, sure. You're going to see success and your chances of seeing them win when you go see a game in person are usually over yeah. 50%. You're going to act the, like the world is falling down and everything is coming to an end if they lose a playoff game, which to us is just, that's a success because you see yeah. them lose almost every game. So to see the Lions in the playoffs, the number of years in a row that you did when they had Stafford is the most remarkable success you've ever seen them have. And you have been a Lions fan for almost 20 years almost, right? Yeah, yeah, more than 20 years. I mean, and and seeing them lose big games was still success for me. It was just like, hey, a meaningful game. They didn't do anything with it, and they very much disappointed me the entire way, but at least they had to play a game that, you know, there was something on the line. Just haven't had a chance to see. I don't know how long it'll be before we see it again. I mean, like DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, I don't I don't mind some of the pieces they have at wide receiver. It's 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 the most Detroit Lions thing of all time to have the first overall pick in a draft where there's no franchise quarterback. Like the the highest quarterback right now for this draft is rated like anywhere from like seven to 10. So you're not going to use the first overall pick on that. So we'll draft another O-lineman or, you know, edge rusher and, and see if that can lead to some victories here with Jared Goff at quarterback. I mean, Jared Goff is surely not the long-term answer at quarterback for the Lions. And there's no. <laughs> some, some uh, guys who have a, I guess it's on a Jaguars podcast. It's more about pop culture and sports, but they cheer for the Jaguars. And, and the one guy was talking about Lions fans and he was like, how, I don't understand how people can be Lions fans. Like, haven't you given up? He was talking about how he's seen people with Jared Goff jerseys. And it's just like, I couldn't, I can't do that. Like, there's no way that you, you could seriously believe 
in buying a Jared Goff jersey after you saw the only good quarterback you've had basically since Bobby Lane leave? That's just see the only way somebody is wearing a Jared Goff jersey is if the team gave them out for free at some point. Like, and that's not even like an anti-Goff comment. That's a what are you doing if you're cheering for that franchise and you're getting a Jared Goff jersey? You could get a Swift jersey, you could get a Hawkinson jersey. I mean, there are other options for you. Um, but to get a Jared Goff jersey, that just doesn't make any sense. Save the jersey money, wait till they actually get somebody, then put that quarterback's name on it. Because if Jared Goff is the starting quarterback for the next three, four or five years for the Detroit lions, then they're doing everything wrong. Anyway, you're not going to want his name on a Jersey. So uh, boy, that's something else. I can't imagine. I can't imagine spending my money on a Jared Goff Jersey. That just blows my mind. Do you have lots of lines jerseys yourself? I've got, uh, I've got two Megatron jerseys and I've got a, a home Stafford Jersey. And then I have a retro Barry line or Barry Sanders Jersey as well. So those are, those are the four, uh, go-tos, but to be honest with you, I'm not wearing them out in public. I mean, that's the last thing I need. So I'll put them on. I'll put them on around the house the odd time when I watch a game or if I'm hosting an event, maybe at uh, you know one of the bars here in town for NFL or something like that. Might might put it on that, but I'm not putting it on and walking around West Edmonton Mall. Like that's the last thing I need. So if you you didn't wear it out when you went trick or treating with your kids for Halloween, it's, <laughs> oh, who are you supposed to be? I'm supposed to be a depressed Lions fan. Oh, that's very yeah, sad. I'm a I'm a loser. That's that's what I am. Uh, no, I went as a Teen Wolf. Again, this year, I got a good warm Teen Wolf costume, which keeps me warm while I'm out trick-or-treating with my kids. So I always go as uh, Michael J. Fox's Teen Wolf. I mean, speaking of Michael J. Fox, I actually went as Marty McFly from Back to the Future because I was looking up, well, what costume is going to have lots of layers? And I was screwing through this thing and obviously love yeah. Back to the Future. It's like one of the, one of the best movies ever. And then I see Marty McFly. I'm like, boom, I'm doing it. I tell my girlfriend, like, we're doing this. Got a costume, period, end of story. Now I have an excuse to get a red puffer because you always want to stay warm during yes, Halloween. exactly. Get that stereotypical snow every year on October 31st, especially. Edmonton is just Winnipeg with a million people. So we're literally yeah. just Spider-Man looking at himself in the mirror right now. I, uh, I went as Doc Brown a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. And I actually, it was a staff party and I bumped into uh, a girl there who was dressed as Marty McFly. So we got pictures together and everything. And uh, just a sec, give me one sec because Back to the Future is my favorite favorite movie of all time. Oh, no. So I've got like all these collectible items. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Yeah, I've got the uh, all three DeLoreans. I've got a. I've got an unopened box of Back to the Future movie cards. So oh, that geez. hasn't been opened yet. That's from Back to the Future 2, which was my favorite of them. And then that, I've like, got an entire or yeah, I've day? got an entire room in my house where I've got Back to the Future uh, like posters and stuff too. So you picked the right movie, man. <laughs> you wow, picked the right I mean, movie. That's, I that's my I, thing. I watched it. I think I was uh, grade eight or something. Like it was 2009, yeah. 2010. And I was like, my mind was like, boom, blown. Great movies. Oh, this is so good. Oh my goodness. Like this yeah. is crazy. And then watching the second one, the third, I mean, maybe it's the third one we know is not, not as yeah, great. It's not, it's not great. I still loved it because I love all of them, but it was yeah. the weakest of the three. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still really great. And the fact that you had that as your Halloween costume is, yeah. is, is tremendous because it's a great costume to go as and just rattling off all the quotes or is what makes the costume even more fun because we were yeah. at my, we were at a, a party and our friends were like, Oh, let's do a, like a, a, a catwalk kind of thing. And they're like, oh, well, maybe we should play music. And I'm like, well, you obviously have to play Power of Love when you're walking in and yeah. <laughs> all the quotes and nobody calls me chicken when you're playing Pong yeah. or all those types of things. Like, are yeah. you telling me that it's 825? Damn, yeah. I'm late for school. Yeah, there's so many good ones. I just, 
I just went on because I I was the um the the Back to the Future two costume where he's wearing like the time oh, goggles yeah. and the yellow thing and. Uh, I just kept going around the whole night going, Marty, Marty, like the entire night. So it was, uh, it was fun. I still have the costume. I rotate through a few of them, but that one's, uh, that one's still kicking around as well. When you were talking about your heart being broken by Doug Flutie, the first thing that came into my mind actually was the 94 playoff game when he was on the snaps and his brother was in the Lions and the Lions wanted basically on the last play of the game was super in the snow. It was in the snow. Yeah. And when Wally Buono, uh, Wally Buono, was he, he was the coach of Calgary, wasn't he? Uh, oh, he was boy, that's yeah. going back quite a ways. He might have been at that time, yeah. I think he was the coach of Calgary. He was involved in that game for sure. Let's just double check. I'll double check right now. Let me see. Yeah, 94. Yeah, he was the coach of Calgary, yeah. Because yeah. he went from Calgary to BC, but not till 2003. So, yes. Because I, I thought you were going to mention that game. Like, oh, I was... I was uh, so excited to watch Doug Flutie win, and then he ends up losing in the basically the last play of the game in uh, in a, just a, an extreme blizzard. But that game, when I was looking back at the highlights, was super exciting. And even though Doug Flutie didn't get a chance to go to the Great Cup, he obviously still had so much success in the CFL, especially in the snowy game. What it was, I think it was two years later. The Eddie Brown catch was the '96. Yeah, the Eddie Brown. Yeah. Yeah, that was a ridiculous catch as well. I remember I remember that snow game, though. That was like, as far as my childhood goes, I think that's probably for any of us that are like my age. I'm 40 now. Um, as far as memorable games go, that one's right up there because uh, that snow game, I remember I was a big Doug Flutie guy, but we were watching that game with my parents and some of our neighbors, and we're in BC, so they're all BC Lion guys. So it was, it was yeah, that was... It's funny you brought that up because I've actually... I've got a uh, autographed, what size is that? At least 16 by 20, maybe a little bit bigger after the Hail Mary in Boston College. It's uh, when he's lifting, when his brother's lifting him up and it's signed by both brothers and stuff. It's, uh, I'm a, I collect memorabilia and that's, that's one of my favorite pieces. That's a cool piece. That's a very prized possession. Yeah. Yeah, It's nice. Them being on this, like them being in that moment together and playing each other in the CFL was amazing and the lions ended up going on to win like that was one of their most memorable great cups i honestly think and even from having spoken with a few players who were on that team they were talking about in the 94 season it was that rocky four style us versus them canada versus america if they win then that means the ratio is basically damned to hell and then them winning on louis pisaglia's field goal after the back and forth affair it was what makes, I think, the 94 Great Cup victory one of the most iconic in Lions history. Obviously, the 2011 winning at home after starting 1-5. That was, was big, great. too. Yeah. But the 94, I mean, you would remember it. I mean, I wasn't even born. But the 94, yeah. I'm sure, is it goes down in, in history for one of the best that the Lions have ever 26, had. 23, right? I think it was 26, 23 yeah. when it was all said and done. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as, I mean, for BC sports moments, as far as BC sports moments go, I mean, you got the Canucks who've got close but just lose all the time. They were and then you got the BC Lions and like, right? yeah. And that, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Same year. And, uh, but the BC Lions have actually been a franchise that's been able to finish it off a few times, which is why, you know, there's always that small part of me that would like to see the BC Lions, you know, being a BC boy myself, you know, have success again, where BC place is, is packed and it's not just, you know, the 12, five due to COVID and, and things like that, because uh, I, I do think that's a very important franchise for the league. And it would be great to see. And I think the new ownership there is going to be awesome. I had a chance to chat with him live on one of our broadcasts and he seems very fired up about the opportunity that he's got. I think he's got a good plan. Um, so hopefully the BC Lions can get back to where they, I know they're struggling 
right now, just in the season, but uh, hopefully they can get that franchise back to what it was back in the, you know, the early nineties, mid nineties, you know, even from, from like all the way up to when they had that success in 2011, man, the BC Lions were always somebody that you had to deal with. So yeah, I'd like to see, I think it's important for that city and that franchise to get back on track. An interesting fact about that great cop. If you would have watched on TV, you would probably know this, but speaking of the matrix between yourself doing play-by-play being from BC the Lions winning one of the most iconic championships. That game being shown on ESPN since they had the American teams. Do you know who the play-by-play and color guys were for the 94 Grey Cup? No. Who, who do they have? On, on, like on the ESPN or? On ESPN, yeah. No, who was it? Color was Mike Mayock and play-by-play <laughs> was Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson called that game? Come on. Gus Johnson called a Grey Cup in 1994. That's, that's amazing. I didn't even know that, man. You know a ton about Grey Cup history, man. Like that, that Gus Johnson's one of the best, man. That's, that's great. The thing that makes it even crazier is the fact that Gus Johnson in the 94 Grey Cup sounded like Joe Buck in the mid-2000s doing the <laughs> days on his feet and it is caught by Tyree. He was super monotone. He wasn't losing his mind. And Stokely, sideline, can yeah. you catch him? Wow. And I, I was like, what? Because I, I was, I, I don't know. I, I was just, it was at the beginning of COVID when I was creating some videos and having fun about team's most iconic great cup wins. And I was doing research yeah. on the lions. I was like, well, the lions of okay, 2011, 94, uh, 85, well, what else is there? And then I looked at 94 and it was like, you can look it up 94, the clip at the end. He's like, when Pasagli hits a field goal, this is what Gus Johnson's calls. Like the BC lions are the 1994 gray cup champions. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> if he's just butt hurt that the stallions lost or yeah. if they, he just didn't discover his mojo yet, but it was Gus Johnson and Mike Mayock. And that is a, an interesting piece of CFL history that I'm sure not a lot of fans would remember unless they would have been way older when watching that. But. Well, first of all, that's, that's a great, great story. I love that story. Um, but you know what? There is something to be said about feeling comfortable in broadcasting. Like, I think, I don't know how many episodes of this you've done, but you obviously feel pretty comfortable hosting this podcast. Um, when I did, I did about eight or nine CFL games in 2019 and I was still nervous before every single one of them. But this year, you know, I hadn't called anything in a long time due to COVID. Usually I'm calling university hockey or football pretty much every weekend for like five or six months. And then find a way to keep busy with other stuff. Um, so, you know, first couple of weeks this year, I still was kind of feeling nervous, but when I was leaving the house to go do the game last Friday, the, uh, the tie cats Elks game, Right when I, before I left the house, I looked back at my wife and I said, Hey, you know what? I'm not nervous anymore for this. Like I'd look forward to it. And I think it's going to help me continue to get a little bit more comfortable and let a little bit more of my personality come out, um, which hopefully ends up being good. So I totally get where, where Johnson's coming from. I mean, I, you know, I'd like, I'd like to go a lot crazier than I do with CFL broadcast, but I'm just trying to sort of work my way into there where I can have a little bit of a longer leash and have a little bit more, uh, more fun with it, but it's definitely, it's, but it's funny. Cause yeah, you're right. I mean, he's nuts now. So for him to call a great cup winning kick like that, and that blows my mind. I still, to be honest with you, I don't even believe I'm going to have to look it up myself. Cause I don't even believe you. That's crazy. It's, and it makes sense because you want to get that comfortability. And even when I started doing play by play for university soccer, the first time this year, I was trying to like find my footing and okay. I want to make sure that I'm as neutral as possible, but still get excited because yeah. I love being loud and going crazy like the Gus Johnson's, the Iron Eagles or all those people. 
or even yourself. Like I would put you now in that category and watch CFL games. I'm like, yeah, he's like the, maybe not the Gus Johnson in the CFL cause he has his yeah. own style, <laughs> but like the guy that's willing to like let loose and go crazy, which is like, and you're even saying you feel like you're holding back. So I can't imagine. I'm holding back. Happen. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely holding back. I could certainly crank it up another notch, but one of the things like, and this was a long time ago, can't remember who it was. I sent some play-by-play to somebody for uh, for a, a demo, probably when I was in Fort McMurray doing uh, Oil Barons Junior Hockey. And I sent some, a play-by-play demo tape to somebody, and they messaged back and they said, "Look, we love the you love your energy, but you just got to hit the right spots. Like you just can't be like this the whole time, right? Like you gotta you gotta make sure you ramp it up at the right spot and bring it back down. And I think I think I've got to a point where I can do that pretty well." Um, but there's still part of me that I want to crank it up a little bit more. So, but give me like, give me like three or five years to really establish myself with the CFL and on TSN. And then, uh, then, then I'll take it to another level and we'll see how it goes over. Are you a soccer fan by any chance or not really? No, not really. I mean, I, I got sucked in probably three or four years ago, just because of FIFA. I love playing FIFA. So, um, I haven't had much time to play lately just because I'm gone every weekend with the Canadian football league, but, uh, I got sucked in there, but as far as like broadcasting or, or watching soccer, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I'm not like an anti-soccer guy. I just don't have much time for it with everything else that I've got going on. Um, I'll follow obviously what Alfonso Davies is doing overseas and, and things like that. And then Ray Hudson's my favorite, one of my favorite broadcasters ever um, soccer, whatever. I mean, I listen to that guy call my family upstairs, having dinner. It doesn't matter to me. So <laughs> he actually, my co-host got uh, Ray Hudson to do one of those like videos where you just like book the guy and oh, he like did one for cameo? my 40th birthday. So that was, that was pretty cool. Cause he's one of my favorite. He's amazing. Like I would never go that crazy, but when I was in Fort Mac doing junior hockey, I was saying some pretty wild stuff and people seem to like it. So, uh, and even with golden bears hockey, I'll sometimes like let somebody on the radio show text in and say, Hey, you should work this movie quote into a goal call. And on a golden bears hockey game, I can make it work, but I'm just, I don't think we're there yet for, uh, for CFL. That's gonna, that's gonna be something else when I start dropping dumb and dumber quotes on CFL <laughs> games. Like we'll see how that goes over. <laughs> I think it'll take a bit of time to get there. The reason I was asking about soccer is you mentioned Ray Hudson, I think is one of the best color guys for for any english broadcast for sure obviously there's the martin tyler's and yeah and uh, andy townsend's and all those guys but growing up as a kid the thing that inspired me most about play-by-play was watching soccer in other languages and especially because half my family's from brazil and half my family's from portugal that's where the insanity really rooted in my in my characteristics of play-by-play because watching them go crazy for the smallest things, especially when they scored, like the world is just exploding. That's what made me feel so fired up. And so growing up, I would always watch the Brazil games through Global Sports, which is their like version of CBC. And I'd always hear the same voice over and over and over again. And then eventually when I learned what his name was, the guy's name is Galvão Bueno. We share the last, <laughs> same last name. And I just felt so excited and inspired. And in the last game I did for the regular season with the Manitoba Bison's uh, soccer team, I was like, okay, they have a Brazilian player on their team. I need to find a way. If she scores, I know her parents are watching. I know some of the other alumni who are Brazilian are watching. I need to find a way to speak Portuguese in this broadcast. I don't care if you're rifling beer cans at me from across the field. I'm, on a <laughs> list, so I'm pretty safe. So when she scored, I like started doing commentary in Portuguese and was like getting really excited. And I, I like I felt my soul set on fire. Like I'm, I'm sure you probably feel when you're getting excited during a CFL. Oh, yeah. Part of me was like worried. I'm like, wait, like, what if someone doesn't like it, or what if like you can't speak, you have to speak English or whatever. And then it received a pretty, pretty positive feedback. So I felt, 
felt good about it, but I, I really resonate with when you're saying that you're, you feel like you're going to take it up a notch and you're like, like at the end of I'm sure you've seen the Incredibles, like the ending scene when they finally dash in sports and he's like starting to cook. Everybody's like, no, 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 slow down, make it close, make it close. Like that's what I feel yeah. like is going on in your mind when you're doing play by play. Yeah. It's, you know what? I will say this though. Uh, and a lot of people along the broadcast way have told me this, it's easier to rein somebody back than to get some energy into them. Right. So yes. being naturally energetic and, you know, being you know, overzealous a little bit and having a lot of fun with your calls, um, that's, I mean, that's how I'll probably continue to work. I'll continue to push the limit just a little bit here and there until somebody says, Hey, you know, hold it back a little bit. But to be honest with you, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to make CFO broadcasts, you know, more entertaining just in general for everybody, as opposed to just the hardcore football fans. So that's something that, uh, that's something that maybe, you know, and, but it's a rush. Like it's a rush. I called, I called, um, the university of Calgary, Nico DeFonte hit a 59 yard field goal to win the Hardy cup a few years back. And I called that one. And I mean, he, he hit it. I was just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, a 59 yard game winner. It was, it was unbelievable. And I remember we wrapped up the game. I got to the airport in Calgary, ready to fly back to Edmonton. I sat down at the airport and I just like, finally, when I sat down at the airport, I was just like, like, it just took everything out of me. I was just like, I was so tied up into that game. I just kind of sat there and was like, what just happened? Like, we just, saw somebody kick a 59 yard field goal to win a league championship. And uh, that, that kick, because it was so awesome, ended up on like ESPN and sports center top 10. And it was just, it was crazy, man. Absolutely nuts. But the rush that you can get when calling a big play or, or anything like that, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's tough to match. I'll tell you that. So I must ask, how would you have called Justin Tucker's game winning field goal from 66 yards then? <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> That one was weird because I was driving back from Lethbridge or maybe it was Calgary. Maybe I'd done a game or I, I think it might've been Lethbridge for a hockey draft, but I'm driving back and uh, I had money on the Ravens as part of a parlay. And I was just like, man, if the Ravens, if the Ravens win here, I'm winning like lots of money. But if they hit this kick, the team's losing. And I was like, but we're not going to win many games this year anyway. So I, uh, so as I'm listening, I was driving and I was listening to the kick and when it hit the upright and went in, I, I, I right away, I was like, yeah, cause I won the money. And then I was like, ah, oh, but another loss, but at the same time, I mean, I'm full board on getting that first overall pick this year. And then, you know, trying to do something with it, whether you have to trade for a quarterback or whatever. So I'm not the, not the end of the world. If the lions, I mean, if the lions were, two and O to start the season or whatever it was at the time, it would have been a little bit of a different story, but yeah, I mean, something like that. Uh, I mean, and the Ravens play by play guy always uses a line. Uh, the hay is in the barn. That's one of his main things is the hay is in the barn. So he would have dropped a hay in the barn on that one. I probably wouldn't have done that, but I, I mean, one of my big for big plays is uh, like, I'll drop a, Oh my goodness. Or did you see that? Or sometimes I'll just go like, oh, yeah. And then a lot of catches, I it's just the way it is. I'll do it to the end zone and then got it. I say got it a lot. So I might have said that for the game-winning, uh, for, for that field goal too. I had a couple of game-winning field goals actually in the CFL already this year too, which is uh, which is nice. And one that came short, Paredes came, came up short on one earlier in the year. But he got redemption. He hit one a little bit later on. So, yeah, the game-winning field, I mean, game-winning touchdown is one thing, but game-winning field goal is a pretty awesome to call too. When you're preparing yourself for a broadcast, obviously the the for the or for the listener that wouldn't be aware, you'd have a sheet that has yeah. depth charts, and you'd have tons of information as basically as much as you can at your disposal, more than you would need, so that you can always pull something whenever a player does something good. But when it comes to 
specifically phrasing or words or catchphrases, as you just mentioned, is that something that comes out ad-libbed or is it something that you try to prepare for if you can? How do you handle that scenario? Um, back, back, like when I was doing university ball and stuff way back at the beginning, cause I did a decade of university football, you know, I, and university hockey, I try to mix, I'd make a note like, Hey, you know, on a goal, maybe try to say this or, but I haven't really, I haven't really done that with the Canadian football league. Like, I, I mean, if we're getting to a big situation late in the game and, you know, there's an opportunity for a game-winning field goal, I might try to think of something quickly. But for the most part, I just kind of I just kind of let her fly. I just kind of say what I'm thinking at that moment because, um, you know, I want the viewer who's watching it for the first time to be thinking at that moment too. Like, I want to kind of be in their mind as well. If I'm stunned by a play, then I'm just going to say whatever comes out of my mouth at that time. So it hasn't got me in trouble yet. I mean, <laughs> it might at some point, but I do. I, I, I prep, I got two games this week. I'm here doing the Elks game on Saturday on Friday night. And then I'm flying to Winnipeg Saturday morning to do that Saturday game in Winnipeg. And that's a lot of prep. I mean, you're looking at anywhere from four to four to five, six hours total for each game. So you know, I got, I have like, I've got some old prep sheets over there, but yeah, I've got like a, I use like a board that's, you know, like a couple millimeters thick and I'll have one offense and defense on one side. And then I flip it like a coach's board essentially. And the other offense and defense on the other side. So anytime there's a change of possession, I just flip the board and I've got, you know, all the positions laid out. And then each player has a bunch of information and some extra information and all their stats. And then I got both rosters numerically down the side, just in case I can't find somebody on my, you know, on the depth chart, I can look over to the side and grab a number there. So I've got, I've got that, which I hold in my hands the entire time. And then in front of me, I'll have a couple of the CFL stat sheets provided by the league. And then I kind of build my own sort of cheat sheet game notes sort of thing that I'll have down in front of me. And then it's weird to say this, but calling a CFL game is probably, well, not even probably, it's easier than calling a university game because in university, with all the stats, I just have to do them all in my head the whole time. But with the CFL, there's a stat guy who sits right next to you. So when he, when the, when there's a punt, you know, when the guy catches the punt, he'll be like, uh, he'll be like a 49-yard kick. So then I can, so I'll come in my headset and I'll be like, oh, there's, uh, you know, whoever, Devontae Deadman with a, you know, after a 49 year kick brings it back the other way and it's a 35 yard return. He gets, so, so it's, there's a lot more going on. Cause you got a producer in your headset, you got your color guy you're talking to, and then you got your stats guy. But once you get used to it, it, it actually is a lot easier than trying to figure it out on your own. I've also got my iPad set up with the box score. So if I need to pull up, you know, Zach Caleros is eight of 10 for 94 yards. I can bring that up quickly as well. So there's a lot on the go. But I've always I've always been over prepped. Like I'll finish a game and I'll look at my board and I'll be like, oh, I never got to that. I never got to that. I never got to that. But it's it still feels like a good broadcast because I didn't miss on anything, right? So that's like for you or whoever, over prep everything all the time in broadcasting. Like it's just because then it just comes naturally to you. And when it comes naturally to you, you're not panicking about it, which allows you to deliver it in a better way. That's how I've always imagined it. And that's a good point to make because when you look at the people who are doing NFL or at the highest level, it always gets easier as you get higher up, especially when we're playing sports, because everything else is there to support you. Uh, even when I look at refereeing, for example, when I've refereed soccer, or volleyball, or basketball, when you're doing junior high or young games, it's like, well, there's just you or one other person. But then when you get higher up, it's like there's three, four man crews or, you know, yeah. 
way more people there to work with you. Or there's a person doing stats specifically, and there's a person doing the clock and there's a person doing this and that. Or even when you get to a CFL crew, you have the chain gang, you have back judge, you have every, you have everything. And when you're in the broadcast booth, you have, like you said, stats, person, producer, color guy, your iPad, a cheat sheet. It's not just, okay, here's the mic. Here's a handheld camcorder. (laughs) Go have fun with these people. You don't know, know anything about. And also you guys get to interview players too. Like, before the game or like at least the- yeah we do we do like um i mean behind the scenes like we'll do like um so what i got the elks and riders on friday this week so wednesday two days before the game we'll do a zoom meeting with dickinson and elizondo and probably fajardo and um i mean whoever cornelius or arbuckle whoever's going to start for the elks and then what usually one other player so it's totally off the record we don't take anything from it but it's just a chance for us to chat with them get some coaches thoughts on the lineup and stuff like that which really does help i mean they're they're pretty good those zoom meetings we've got pretty good relationship with pretty much everybody in the league now so they know it's off the record it's just like you and i sitting here me and my buddies sitting around chatting you know just kind of get some insight don't keep them for too long and yeah, it's it's been it's been very it's been very valuable for me because I'm so new to the league now. Like prior to, for example, like Coach O'Shea, prior to this season, I'd maybe talked with him like once or twice in my life, and never face to face. It would just been on my radio show. But now I've like I've done so many Bombers games. I've zoomed with him like seven or eight times. So it's it's just like, hey, Coach, hey, Osh, how are you? Like it's they're they're great. The the people around the Canadian Football League are great. Like that's what makes my job so good is that everybody that we deal with is just fantastic. Like they're terrific. So I, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. And you know, that just kind of ties into the prep and on the stats guy thing, it's funny actually, because got to the game here in Edmonton on, uh, on Friday night, we roll in and they're like, Hey, you got no stats guy tonight. I'm like, well, what happened? It's like, cause his wife had a baby today. We couldn't find a replacement. And they're just like, are you going to be okay? I said, well, yeah, I mean, I did football games forever with no stats guy. They're like, well, we'll put somebody here to kind of just give you some drive information. I was like, cool, that's fine. So we managed to get her done. And the guy who just stepped in, he kind of just, when there was a scoring drive, he'd slip me a note that said like nine plays, 76 yards, three and a half minutes. And you kind of tie it in. And it was, uh, it was a little old school for me though. It was, uh, you know, back to the, back to the university of Alberta days when I was quickly doing math in my head on, on receptions and things like that. But it was, uh, it's like, it's a great league to be a part of, man. And um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. And I hope I'm around for a long time. And there's a lot of opportunities now with, because before Chris Cuthbert was the voice of the CFL. And when you think of the CFL, especially growing up as a kid, I always thought of Chris Cuthbert and then Rod Black, he'd be mixed yeah, in there. Blackie, you know, yep. The Rod Black and Dwayne Ford duo was great. And Chris Cuthbert, Glenn Suter, those were like the, the, the main two pairs. But now that he's departed for Sportsnet to do hockey, which he is also incredibly amazing at do you think there's a po- real possibility that you might be able to do the great cup this year uh i don't think i'm gonna be doing the great cup this year i'd l- i'd like to but i uh i mean rod smith's been around the league forever i think i think it's rod smith's game to call um i would i would love to call it but uh i might you know my time will come i'm not too worried about that like i'll hopefully get the great cup you know somewhere somewhere down the road um but you know like with Cuthbert and and Rod Black. I mean, Cuthbert and Black have been the voice of the Canadian Football League for a long, long, long time. Chris Cuthbert, specifically, because he does hockey as well, and, you know, I'd like to do hockey one day as well, 
Um, Cuthbert is like my broadcasting idol, like everything. Chris Cuthbert can do no wrong. He can mess up no call. Like he is, um, you know, when I was growing up first, it was Bob Cole as just a straight up hockey kid. Like I love Bob Cole. Uh, and then after Bob Cole, it was Chris Cuthbert. Like those are the two guys. So to have the opportunity to even get more opportunity because Chris Cuthbert left has been like a dream come true for me. And then when I leave, and when Chris Cuthbert leaves and I read an article about him leaving and he said, you know, we're leaving things in good hands with Dustin coming aboard. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> that's like, that's like somebody growing up as a huge fan of Wayne Gretzky and Wayne Gretzky leaves and goes, yeah, I really think this guy's going to do a good job. So Chris is, Chris is awesome. I bumped into him in Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago. He was there for something. I was there for something. And, um, you know, he said, you're doing a really good job and all that stuff, but like, he's awesome because I can reach out to him and say, Hey, you know, how would you handle this? How do you do this? And, and he gets back to you right away. Like he's just the nicest guy ever. And to have an opportunity to maybe one day do a game that he did so well would be, would be incredible. And you know what, stepping into his shoes, you know, large part because I'm based in the West, right? So it's easy. Suits is in Vancouver. I'm in Edmonton. So we cover the West. Um, But I've, I feel like I'm really comfortable broadcasting with Glenn now. Like, I think we've got a, Really like for, you know, guys who were, when I did it in 2019, it was mostly Dunnigan and I joke. We were the C team essentially, right? Like Maddie and I would get that third game when there's a triple header and things like that. But uh, with suits and I, like we, 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 we have good chemistry off the mic. Like we get along really well and, you know, we see things, a lot of things the same way. Uh, and then I think we're getting really comfortable on broadcast together. So um, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but I like what Glenn and I have going on for sure. Do you have any favorite Chris Cuthbert calls for the CFL that stick out in your mind from growing up? Oh man. Like just Jeez, iconic ones a, that just jump off on top of your head. That's a that's a good question, man. I'd have to go back and listen because you know, a lot of the a lot of the iconic ones. Well, you know what? I will you know it's it's almost fitting because it was his last game in the Canadian Football League. But the moment he said they put the win back in Winnipeg, I I just like I, I just sat there and went, damn, that's genius. Like absolutely genius. And he took it away from the rest of us forever. Like I can't ever use a, they put the win back in Winnipeg again. You know, like you can't do that again. So I know he's had a lot of other iconic ones. I mean, there's a lot of guys in Canadian football league history who've called some, some big, big, big games, but the, the yeah, the first thing that came to my mind, we said that was that one because it ended up being his last one. And I thought it was, I thought it was perfect. Like, and I don't know if he knew he was moving on at that point or, or whatever, but when he dropped, they put the win back in Winnipeg. I was just, it was like a, like a proud broadcaster moment. I was just like, damn it, man, you nailed it. Like, that's exactly, that's exactly what you needed there. That was good. That was also the first time that he had ever had a call for Winnipeg winning the great cup. And that was the last team he needs to complete a call to get all for of every team winning the great yeah. cup. So, How awesome is that on your resume? I've called a Grey Cup on television for every single team in the league. Like it's just the guy's a goat. He's the absolute goat, man. He's he's the best. I can't say anything else. I can't say anything else about him. He's he's incredible. And I mean, he calls an awesome hockey game. Like he's he's the best at hockey too. If you can be the best at two sports, then you are one of the greatest of all time. And I think he's the best at two sports. And it's it's not even debatable. Like it's not up for discussion. No, no. I'm, anytime that someone says to me that Chris Cuthbert is not the best Canadian like play-by-play guy, I was like, "You're you're just lying to yourself. Like you can't. Yeah. You can't." There's present- a lot of other good guys, but oh, yeah, he's the, he's the best. He's the best yeah. ever. 
Like that's, yeah. that, it's, it's, it's like Wayne Gretzky's number one and there's no close second. Like you can, you can debate number two, three, four or whatever, but like number yeah. one is number one. That's just, that's locked. And you can't, you can't touch that for me, even though obviously as a Winnipeg fan growing up being born in Winnipeg and having lived here almost my entire life, obviously that cause iconic mind you, I didn't hear it. Cause I was actually at the game, which was probably, I'd take that over like hearing the call, but the number one, most iconic Chris, Chris Cuthbert call in my mind for any great cop is 13th man, 100%. Oh, yeah. ball down, ball through the Montreal Alouettes have come all the way back. Is yeah. to me like that's a staple of my childhood, period. End of story. I know Riders fans are going to be punching air when they hear that, but there's nothing that can take away how amazing that game was, considering it's one of the greatest great cops in history. You could yeah. argue it is the greatest great cop in history. And the greatest call ever. There's a few other great calls in that game. But yeah, like that the, one with the but, with the moment that it was it, you're right. That's a big one, man. Like, That's a big I can't one. I can't take anything away from that. Like there's yeah. obviously every the final the finale for almost every great cup he did was even the 05 one with Edmonton and Montreal was insane, but 09 to me is that's like the best game he's ever called. I think, to be honest, there's so many other catches and plays in that game that just like get the hair standing on the edge of, uh, you know, my hair standing on end. That's why, that's why you're great because you, you, you know, like for Cuthbert, you've got that call. I've got another one. You talk to somebody else, they'd have something else or they say, ah, you know what? It's football was good, but what about the golden goal and all this hockey stuff? So it's just like, yeah, he's, I mean, what can you say, man? He's the best. I could do an entire, well, we almost have, but I've, I could do an entire podcast just on Chris Cuthbert. <laughs> That'll have to be part two for this, but Dustin, yes. we are getting towards the end of our time. So I want to ask you a few wrap up questions, have a little more fun before we go for today. Okay. Perfect, man. I got about 10 minutes and I got to get my kid from school. Perfect. All right. Well, okay. So what is your favorite sports movie of all time? Holy smokes. My favorite sports, man. I got, uh, I've done so, oh man. Why do you have to ask that question? My favorite sports movie of all time, man. I, I might have to go with draft day. I, I love, really? I, wow. I'm a, I, I'm a big, like wow. fantasy GM type of guy. Like I love draft day. I watch draft day all the time. And I know it's not your, your typical, sports movie ish type of thing. Yeah. You don't even see really any football being played, but I love the inner workings of it all. Sonny Weaver jr. Like there's so many classic lines in there as well. The back and forth with the Seahawks. I absolutely, um, man, I live. Yeah. I, I love draft day more than most people would, um, but I've done, we've done, I mean, we've done multiple brackets on my radio show about best character in a sports movie. And obviously, you know, Rocky Bobo always pops up and has success there. And then depending on how you view happy Gilmore, I mean, that's one that's going to pop up a lot as well, but I always just come back around to draft day. That's just the fantasy GM nerd in me seeing Sonny Weaver, Weaver jr. Get his picks back and David Putney. Like, it's just like, damn it. He did it. He did it. He salvaged the franchise for the Browns. So that one, I always get, I always get sucked back into that one, man. What is your favorite sport to play? Uh, hockey with basketball being a close second. I, I haven't had a chance to play hockey for like three months because the CFL season, but I'll probably start. Usually we'll play like once or twice a week and I'll probably do that again in January. So um, hockey's my favorite. Basketball is a close second. I don't play much basketball anymore, but I grew up playing a lot of basketball and I love playing basketball. So my kid, my kids are four and six. I'm waiting for a little bit taller and then we'll get a, you know, a hoop in the driveway for, for the kids, but it'll just be for daddy. And uh, so I look forward to doing that again, but yeah, hockey followed very closely by basketball. My final question for you is what is your favorite thing about being a dad? 
Oh man, you're gonna you're gonna you're trying to make me cry at the end of this <laughs> podcast. Is is that what's happening right now? Like uh like everything, honestly, everything. And that's you know what? Doing this job has been awesome this year for the Canadian Football League. And you know, if I'm a big part of it moving forward, that's awesome too. But it does suck being gone every weekend. Like with my kids, like at this age, four and six. And then I'm doing the Spengler Cup again this year, which means I'm gonna be gone from like the 24th to the first. So you know, for all these guys who've been broadcasting like for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, it's, it's tough to be away from your kids, man. Like it is. So like my kids are great. We've raised two really polite kids. I love playing sports with them. We've got an extra room down here in the basement where we got two queen beds set up for like visitors, but they're basically just wrestling beds. So we wrestle down here all the time. We play hockey down here like every day, but my, my, my favorite thing is probably when I come home from work and they come run into the door. Like that's, that's the best thing. And my boy now he's in grade one. So he's not home when I get home from work, but when I get home from work now, it's just my four-year-old daughter. And every single time I'll open that door and wherever she's in the house, she comes running as fast as she can. And that's why when Marshall started going to grade one, I was so sad. I was just like, he's not here anymore. When I come home, like now it's, now it's her and that's it. So yeah, coming home, coming home to see them or when I get home from a road trip or you know, being away does suck, but my wife will send me videos of, you know, like when we come on camera at the end of the first quarter and the kids are watching and they're like, daddy, daddy's on TV. So like, that's, that's pretty cool. But you know, it's, it's good because, you know, assuming I get Elks games on most weekends when they're, when they're at home, I get to be at home, you know, that weekend. And that, that helps. And then, you know, you do all the side gigs and you do the, the jobs on the weekends to give your family a better life anyway. So, um, you know, it sucks being gone, but I got a great wife and two good kids and we have a lot of fun. And you know what? Doing morning show, I'm home like by 11 every, every day. So, you know, I've got some side projects on the go with podcasts and stuff, but I'm home for a lot of time with them during the week, which is, which is perfect. If I had to work like nine to five during the week and then be gone on weekends as well, that would make it even more difficult. But right now doing everything that I'm doing, we find a lot of time and it's a lot of fun, but you should have never asked me about my kids. Like I just, I love them. I, I love my kids, man. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for letting me talk about them for a little bit. Well, of course. And I know that it's, uh, it's something that I never really experimented with until I had, when I had Nabil Kareem on, he was someone that I looked up to watching yep. TSN as a kid. Yeah. Great broadcaster. And, and I know that he's, uh, he has two young kids and I asked him like, what's your favorite thing about being a dad? And he was just like, same thing as like, man, you're gonna start making me cry. Like so much. And, and he was, he, he told a, a story of how he went to, I think it was like the first day of school with his son. And they asked the question, who's your best friend? And his son turned around and pointed to him. He's like my dad. And he was just oh, like, yeah, it's, like, it's the best. Like we went to do story time last night and I always put my, my son to bed and Tammy always puts our daughter to bed. And last night he always makes me close my eyes and then he'll give me the book. And he gave me the book last night that was called, I love you, daddy. And he, I look at him, he goes, cause I love you, daddy. I was just like, Oh my God. Like they're just, they just, they're just, they haven't been ruined by society yet. You know, like they're just natural little humans. And I just, I, I love it. It's, it's awesome. And yeah, being a, being a parent is, it's terrific. I, I was flying home from doing the game in, I don't know. Where was I last weekend? Well, I was here last weekend. So two weekends ago, flying back from Winnipeg, I guess. 
And uh, I was watching Jerry Maguire on, on the movie, on the plane coming home. And I cried three times during Jerry Maguire because of Tom Cruise's relationship with that little boy. I was just like, Oh, like you can't leave this guy. I'm looking around the plane. I'm talking about my radio show the next day. And people are like, don't worry, Dusty. There's studies that show you're extra emotional when you're that high up in the air. So don't worry about it. I was just like, well, it's, it was still weird crying on a plane three times watching Jerry Maguire. Oh, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, Hey, you know, like it's, there's nothing wrong with it because it means, you know, your, your heart's into it and, and it's, it's better to be in that good place than it is to be like, Oh, well, whatever. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm still yeah. cold to it, but yeah, it's good. It's, it is amazing. And Dustin with that, I really want to thank you so much for having been on today's episode. It was a, an extreme pleasure for me to have been able to have spoken with you chat, chat about football, CFL, being fans of miserable NFL teams, but still sticking <laughs> with it because we're, we're loyal to the bone and also sharing what heartwarming stories make you feel so fulfilled as a dad, because that's honestly really what it's all about as you get older, like the CFL can come and go, but yeah, kids are forever. Right. So yeah, hundred percent, so man. Um, great job. This is a really good chat. I've done a lot of these things. You probably better than anybody. So good work, man. Yeah. Keep her going. Well, I appreciate that very much. It means a lot. And I always make sure to be looking out for you and suits and whoever your broadcast partner will be on CFL and TSN. And with that, I want to thank the listener for having listened to today's episode with the host of The Nielsen Show on Edmonton's TSN 1260, as well as the CFL play-by-play on TSN, Dustin Nielsen. First and goal from the one. This is it. Stiegel. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup underscore MB. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time. If you're like most people, you strive to eat healthy as much as you can, but it gets really difficult when life gets in the way. We get busy, we're running around doing lots of things, it's hard. Being able to eat healthy on the go is super important more than ever now, and that's why I'm here to tell you about G2G Protein Bars. They're the best protein bar for eating healthy on the go. It's made with all natural ingredients, they're fresh, it tastes like homemade, but it's even better. G2G Bars have 18 grams of protein and are gluten-free. With eight different flavors, there's so many different things that you can enjoy about the great tastes of G2G bars and what they have to offer. They're fresh, healthy, and delicious. Make sure to get yours at g2gbar.ca or at your local retailer in Canada or the U.S.